Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we are interviewing Sam Corbel from the Light Eye podcast. Man, that guy's got a whole manner of thing going on. He's got educational programs for lighting designers and lighting engineers and all that. Not allowed for distributors, though. And he's got a podcast, and he puts out videos and everything else. So you want to check out his show. We're going to post it all on the website, and you can see where you can find his stuff. What a great guy. Had fun chatting with him. Went all over the place. But before we get to Sam Corbel, you got to go to KeystoneTech.com. Put this thing on pause right now. It's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com, Greg. That's right. Check out their new, okay, here, new. It's a flat panel, right? You guys have heard of what a flat panel is. Yeah. Everybody says they got one. New. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's a flat panel. This is nice. You know Come why on, it's man. nice? Color changing, first of all. It's color selectable on there. People have that. I get that. But it's backlit. So the light distributes more evenly when it's backlit versus edge lit. And I'm going to read this straight off. There's no yellowing. Precise optical lens covering each LED chip. So no risk of yellowing. I've been, how many sites have you been in where you see, Flat panels change colors because of the yellowing of the lens or the LED chip. Happens all the time. There's a lot of cheap flat panels out there. Ooh, sure is. This man. is at a great price point. Great option. Keystone driver, smooth dri- dry, 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 dimming. You got it, man. Keystone. Get those marbles That's out okay. of your mouth. But before you, <laughs> we, we get into Sam Corbel from Light Eye talking about his stuff and ta- just talking about the industry in general. You know, we're going to tell you a little bit about the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Um, we're going to be electing our new board. Man, this association, great leadership on the board. Um, really, really setting the tone. It's an advisory board that we have at Nail. You don't have to do any work. You just have to really think problems through when you're lying in bed at night and trying to help us get it going. This association is on the move in the lighting industry. So go to naild.org. Yeah, the website's down. That's because we're building a better one. We're always moving. Dr. Bree at the Nailed Office. But for right now, we got Sam Corbel, Get a Grip on Lighting. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Sam Corbel. How's it going? Oh, say hi to Greg Eric. What's going on, Greg? It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, you too. And this is uh, it's like a real recording here. Look at you got a microphone and headset and everything. First time well, we've seen know. that. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I've dabbled a little bit in podcasting myself, so I'm happy to be on your podcast today because podcasting is fun. You know, that's a great way to put it, man. It is fun, actually. I've had tons of fun. Um, It's also important. I think podcasting is uh, in the days of fake news and propaganda and all the stuff you hear and, you know, very politicized news. uh, Podcasts podcasts and video shows and this sort of stuff have really been a source of of balance in people's lives, whatever they believe in. And so I'm, I'm quite happy to be in that movement and i um, happy to be joined by somebody who's, who is as enthusiastic about it as I am. Tell us a little bit about Light Eye. Well, Light Eye is a fun little thing that I started that some may call a hobby, but I tend to call a full-time job. And as a, as an entrepreneur, I think you guys can relate but every, uh, every great idea starts with a dream, and then it becomes a reality. And 14 months ago, I decided to make a dream a reality, and I started LightEye. And we're here to empower ideas and essentially elevate the voice of lighting. It's super important to me that as technology just continues to slam into a dinosaur of an industry, which is lighting and fluorescent lamp technology and, and troffers, it becomes much more technical and integrated 
that we do a better job as a community of getting out there and telling people, hey, lighting might seem complicated because it is, but you know, you don't have to just run away from it. There's some basics, there's some fundamentals, and there's a lot of fun stuff to learn that while you may not be, you know, at the top of the totem pole in terms of the knowledge or the expert, you can start to learn a little bit too. And uh, what I really wanted to do for the community was go out there and create a platform to do that. So Lida is essentially here today to create short two-minute videos or, you know, host a podcast or create some sort of engaging content that's entertaining and also informative. We're not going to be your, your you know, Bachelor of Science degree in lighting. We're not even going to be like a six-week module in lighting, but we are going to be a six-second or a six-minute module in lighting where we come in and we teach you just a little bit more about hopefully something that you want to learn, whether or not it's a project, a person, a, a product, uh, or, or maybe even just like the, the theory behind what backlighting is. What's your background in lighting? My background in lighting is a self-proclaimed lighting geek. And uh, that started all the way back when I think, uh, I believe I was 10 years old. It may have been nine, but I'm sure you've heard the story once or twice before. You walked into the theater, you were going to do one thing, and you ended up at the lighting board. For me, I was on the soundboard. And um, crossfitting audio is not as much fun as crossfitting lights. Sorry to the producer, but I like lighting more. <laughs> but oh, you know, I, I was audio. a theater kid too. I was a theater kid too. <laughs> <laughs> we we all we hey, you know, you, you got to dabble on everything. So, um, I, I got my start lighting as as a ten year old kid, just being fascinated with what it could do in terms of what it can create and what light can create as an emotion. And uh, I kind of let that just drive me. It drove me to college. I went to CU Boulder, got an architectural engineering degree, go buffs, and specialized in lighting. And then from there, I went and I worked in sales for 10 years at the Acuity Brands conglomerate agency in Denver, Colorado, known as the Lighting Agency. And I had a, an awesome time working with probably close to 135 manufacturers over my tenure there. And obviously getting to know the Denver market super well, working a lot with lighting designers, engineers who were interested in lighting. Um, I didn't have it in me to call on contractors or distributors, but I had a bunch of awesome coworkers that that took care of that part for me. And uh, after 10 years of selling, like I said, I, I kind of had this mission and this dream to go create a, a bigger, better place to to educate people on what it is lighting is and, and how it affects people um, in a podcast and in video are kind of the two means and methods that I've chose to do that. And you guys are doing it too, which is awesome. I, I wish there were more. I wish there were more. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you actually have a, a degree in lighting because Mike and I kind of talk about that sometimes and we say there really isn't such a thing. So what do you mean by specialized in lighting? You actually had classes. There's, there's not a degree in lighting. There's no anyway. lighting engineers. There, no. there is very much lighting engineers, and that's what no. my degree is, and that's what that's what everybody else. No, tell there's you, electrical right? engineers. There's mechanical engineers. There's civil. Is there? Are you actually have a formal classification as a lighting? engineer? We are architectural engineering. So in the United yes. States, there's architectural engineers. That's correct, and there's a very very small subset of engineering schools that offer architectural engineering. So architectural engineering is offered by, I believe it's like eight or nine institutions. 
very, very small. Uh, and those programs are also small within the schools of engineering that they're in. But they're all very well known. They're all very well respected. And they produce, you know, probably some of the, may I say, well-rounded, more informed 22-year-old candidates to enter the job market when it comes to to building and construction. Uh, you can go into HVAC, HVAC. You can go into plumbing. You can go into structural. Or you can go into electrical systems and buildings. And in architectural engineering, when you go into the electrical systems, that tends to gravitate towards two things, which is the the gear, right? The power, um, making sure that everybody's safe and we got 120 volts where we need it. And then the lighting. And CU Boulder focuses specifically on lighting when you get that electrical emphasis in architectural engineering. So uh, we call ourselves illuminating engineers. It's also a term that's used broadly across the industry for people who go on to be the engineers who are developing optics or understanding heat and thermal management specifically for lights. Um, but uh, the, the degree is a BS in architectural engineering. Okay. And right. So there's no idea. lighting engineers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. Uh, there, there is no. <laughs> Make a short story no. long, right? I don't mean to be a dick, but that's why people listen to my podcast because I, I, really? there's no lighting engineers. Right. You know, there's, I mean, there's I, a, everyone's like, I'm an architect. There's a lot of lighting engineers and they're, and they're all coming for you. I promise. Oh, come on, man. Bring them on. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to no. send you a t shirt that says, There are lighting engineers. Do it. And you can do it. <laughs> See, I told you I was going to like this guy. Come on, Sammy. We can do this. You want a oh, tattoo? Oh, man. How so about what? a tattoo for your ass? Oh, wait. I don't have any tattoos. Oh, no. I don't do oh, any okay, tattoos. Okay. No, I don't do tattoos. Well, they're removable. It's just pull and peel, you know? You know why? Because, so, like, the, the problem with tattoos is, do you mind if I just, like, just open up on that? Because <laughs> I, I, I actually, I'm like, not. so many people have tattoos, and it's like you sure. kind of have to, like, say, ah, you know, it's like, I got this tattoo, and you know what it means? What does it mean? It means like uh, the star in the sky is like a symbol of my youth and then the sunset. And people have this big story about a tattoo. But I think tattoos are like that have meaning in quotations for those that are listening. And oh, I'm going to piss people off with this one. But I think they're, I think they're intellectually stultifying. So That's like, a big word. Can you define that word? Yeah, yeah, yeah I please. can. But uh, it means it's, it makes you stagnate intellectually. So, for example, if my 12-year-old daughter was going to get a tattoo, she'd probably get a Naruto tattoo. You know who that is? No. It's no, like that, no that Japanese anime guy. Because she loves watching yeah. this Japanese anime, anime thing. She's so into it. She thinks it has such great meaning and stories, right? And a couple of years before that, she probably would have got a Harry Potter tattoo. And before that, it would have been Johnny Hobbit or whoever else is out there, right? Yeah, and people sure, go sure. through their lives and they, like, tattoo things on themselves that they won't be like, this is this moment in my life was super meaningful. And I get the reason why they do it. But I, to me, it's like, what if you don't believe that anymore? What if you figure out that the Chinese writing you got on your arm actually says you're a stupid white man? Like, how, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people get tattoos and they're like, yeah, in Chinese, it means this. Can you write Chinese? You sure that's what it says? Right. And there's like so many things about tattoos that just kind of make me go, you know what? You think that means a lot to you right now. You really do. You really do. But then, you know, you can't be fluid with it. You can't graduate from it. You can't let it float away into the past. 
you know, and it has to keep meaning something to you, which is why people that get tattoos tend to get more and more and more and more of them. I mean, tattoos tell a story. Sometimes the story is more exciting. Maybe like I was in Ireland and I was really drunk and all my buddies were getting shamrocks tattooed on their ass. So I did too. That's a story. That's a story. story. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, I'm not criticizing it. I just think it's intellectually stultifying. And if anybody wants to tell me otherwise, they can come on. So anyway, do you have a light bulb tattooed on your butt? I do not. I am tattoo free. Okay. Uh, That makes three of us actually. Yeah. The the only tattoo that anybody's ever asked me to get is I was actually the college mascot, Chip the Buffalo at CU Boulder. We've got a live Buffalo Ralphie, a costume mascot, Chip. And uh, there's a little bit of a cult, I guess you could say. Everybody gets pretty excited about it. And a couple of years after I graduated, everybody started getting that tattoo. Uh, and they said, Hey, you want to come join the club? He said, no, I, I didn't start that stupid tradition and I'm not going to follow it either. Ooh, tight. Okay. Let me so, ask you about you know, this. I'm part, Did I'm people group, know you were chip when you were at the university or the school? No, absolutely not. We so don't you're like, anyone. whoever chip is, is like a secret. Yeah. Chip is definitely a secret. I mean, that's uh, the best. That's my, roommates, my roommates knew cause you know, there was a Buffalo costume in the dryer every three days, but other than that, no, no one really knew. That's so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> and then, so, and then, and then, you know, and then we really wanted to just like walk around with only the chip head during graduation. Uh, that's definitely not allowed. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, Do you get to pick the next chip? Like, is it a one year? You said you want two years. Does it? Does the current chip who's graduating get to like interview and pick the next chip? Tryouts. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're yeah. I'm part of I'm part of the committee for tryouts, but no way, man. I'm I'm not picking it. We we get like there's like over 160 kids that try out for it every year at this point. So awesome. it's competitive. It's very competitive, and it's also out of the love uh, out of the love of your heart because you don't get a scholarship for it either. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for fun. Yeah, kind of like but you get free lighting, tickets right? every. <laughs> yeah, lighting is fun. Uh, lighting, yeah, someday I'm going to write a book. It's going to be called uh, What I Learned in Life from Being a Mascot. And I'm just going to translate all those experiences into what happened in my real life. So okay. I haven't sat down to think about what being an entrepreneur and being a mascot have in common yet. Aside from you pretty much have to be fearless. So we'll, we'll yeah, start say Yeah, I was going to say willingness to do stupid shit. Like run around yeah. with a buffalo costume on. <laughs> it's hilarious. Hey, you know. But it's awesome, dude. Wait, I got a job for you. You can stand outside Atlas Letty just as a light bulb. Okay, come on in. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a big mask on. (laughs) I'll just clarify. We don't, we, we, the mascot people, we don't call them mascots. No. We call them paid interns. Mascots have personalities and characters and they really do develop and, and, you know, they go out and they become an icon for something that Mm. is their own identity. Painting a logo or just putting the, you know, putting that on top of a human to make it move back and forth. Well, we don't call that mascotting. Okay. But I can talk about mascotting all day. So I don't know if you want to talk about mascotting, but Mike might do a live show with you on that someday. But you said yeah, uh, 14 months ago you started this, uh, Lightai. What was, was there one defining moment where you said, I got to do it? Or was it just over time and you finally just gradually went into it? How did you get it going? 
definitely no no defining moment besides the day that I, I left my last job because I wasn't getting paid anymore. Um, but but I did not wake up one day and decide to quit and do this. It was it was definitely I would say a culmination of a lot of the passions that I hold in lighting and photography and and educating, uh, looking at the market and trying to understand how I may be able to take all of that and, and put it together and package it in a way that may benefit people, right? Create value in a way that's not happening today. And uh, between researching and honestly talking to people, uh, sitting in traffic for twice as long as I used to, uh, you know, one thing kind of led to another and it was a, it was a mountain bike ride with my buddy one day. And I, I told him all about it as we were climbing up to the top. And he turned around and he looked at me, he goes, so you're going to be a YouTuber or about a YouTuber about lighting, huh? And I said, yeah, he goes, that sounds awesome. You should go do it. So if there's yeah. one moment, it was, you know, it was my buddy listening to me, um, you know, when, when you're climbing up a mountain on a mountain bike, you're going like half a mile, mile an hour. You're pretty close to each other. You're pretty much out of breath, but you're hanging out and chatting. So I got an hour to pitch to him where he couldn't turn around and tell me to stop talking. Mm. Nice. And so how often are yeah, you? I mean, it was great. You know, I needed to get off my chest. I wanted to tell someone and uh, he was, he was fired up for me and uh, you know, needless to say, I've got a family, I've got my wife, I've got a lot of people who I told about this kind of leading up to it. And they were like, that's cool. That could, that could really turn into something fascinating. And I would say that sentiment uh, reigns true 14 months into this from just about anyone I talked to in the industry, everybody is curious as to what LIDI is and, and what it will become. And I'd be the first to say that I, I'm, I'm right there with them, right? Uh, when you start a new company and you start a new business, you certainly cannot just draw your line in the sand. You have to continue to adapt. You have to be able to evolve. You have to fail fast. You have to move on and you have to keep at it. I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. What's your vision? All right. What's your, vision? what's my vision? Where, where are you going? With yeah, this? absolutely. Absolutely. No, my, like I said, my vision is to is to raise awareness and elevate the voice of lighting. And I truly believe that the more people that know lighting exists and lighting can do something besides turn on and off, uh, we as an industry will have more opportunity to make a bigger impact on society. What, what can Most, lighting do? What matters? What, what do people don't know? What is it that people don't know about lighting that they should know from your opinion? Um, that is a loaded question and I will happily answer that. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that people don't know about lighting is there's a whole business and profession built around it. Okay. Everybody in it knows it, but most people don't. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. uh, if this industry is going to survive, we're going to have to do a better job telling people they can come work in it. That's and a great what point, value they can get out of it. That's a really good point, uh -huh. actually. Yep. Um, so, you know, we could talk about that. I think that's one of the biggest arguments. And, and the second biggest thing people don't know about lighting is it really does affect how we interact with each other, how we interact with a space. And uh, as someone on, on the podcast I interviewed, his name is Gary Trott. He's with Acuity Brands now. Gary said, everybody knows what bad lighting is. Nobody knows what good lighting is. And I think that's really true. You know, how many people are just getting bombarded with light and we would call that glare, right? And that's a problem, but why is glare a problem? And how do you avoid putting glare in a space? Or how many people can't read the text on a, an, an infographic because there's not 
There's no good contrast, right? Well, we call that contrast. They call that I can't see. Uh, people don't know that light is the reason for so many things that they experience on a daily basis. Why, when you walk into a, a well-lit space, can you very clearly see you know, where you need to go in terms of wayfinding? It, it's obvious. Well, the host's stand is lit and the sign of the bathroom is lit and the dining room is kind of dimly lit behind a wall that's not really lit. Can you use light to guide people? Um, people don't know that, but it's lit up. So they just look at it and they walk to it. So, you know, now when you talk about why that happened and what was used to do that and how many other conversations went into that specific thing, it's very interesting to me because people tend to maybe get that as their introduction into what quote lighting design is or what lighting is mm. as opposed to just understanding lighting has a fundamental way to impact us and also that can pay you a living to to be in the industry um so you asked me what's my vision my vision is to create content that is easily digestible by both lighting enthusiasts and those who know nothing about lighting and for the lighting enthusiast, I want to create content that helps them reiterate and regurgitate maybe the quote unquote basics of lighting to put time back in their pockets to do what it is they're doing best, which is design, which is coordinating, uh, and I'll handle the education for them. In terms of going out and, and talking to people who know nothing about lighting, but maybe are in the design field, creating short, like I said, three, four, five, six minute videos that say, here's what backlighting is. Here's what layers of lighting are. Uh, you call those, you know, recess cans. The lighting industry calls them downlights. And the reason we call them downlights is because it puts light down into the space and you can use a hyperbolic or a parabolic reflector. And here's what the cave effect actually is. It's not the cave effect. It's the lack of light on the walls and it's contrast at a level that your eye sees and finds, you know, either emotionally interesting or it creates a, a sense of like, you know, uh, an unsafe space. And then the last part is how can we go out and we, how can we define it and tell people, Hey, here's lighting. Here's, uh, an industry that's literally billions and billions and billions of dollars of, of money are flowing through it every day. And there's all kinds of people in it whether or not you're a creative, whether or not you're a technical person, whether or not you're a sales professional, there's probably an opportunity here for you in it. Um, so going out and documenting those groups of people and then putting together, you know, short feature videos or podcasts that may be able to be shared in places that make sense, but they don't have anything. I'll give you a great example. I'm doing a, a, um, a piece on 20 lighting designers in 2020, who they are, what they think and how they work. And it's 20 of them talking about who they are, what they think and how they work in three to four minutes. That becomes a, a nice little video, a nice piece that we could get to every single school of architecture at a, you know, four year degree around the country and just get each one of those schools to play that four minute video at some point during the semester. That's probably close to like, 40,000 students that we could tell in four minutes lighting design or lighting is a profession and they might not know it otherwise. So just take 1% of 40,000. Wow. We just created a lot of new lighting designers in four minutes, right? How many times can we do that with something else? My goal is to become is to, my goal for light 
is to create a, an opportunity like that every single day, whether or not it's for the industry, whether or not it's for a manufacturer, whether or not it's for the two of you guys and your podcast and, and what you've done, right? To tell a story every single day, two minutes at a time that adds value to our industry by capturing those people and teaching them something. Nice. And are you, so you kind of answered it a little bit. Are you doing a set schedule? Or are you doing a podcast every X amount of time? I thought video you said every, every day? day. You said every day? Well, two minutes yeah, every so day. The, what do you, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the goal is to get to something uh, in two minutes every day. And that's a, that's a bold goal. Um, anybody who's in production, anybody who values quality knows that for, you know, every, every day is tough. Every day is really tough. Yes. And, uh, like that, they say that. Okay. So is, hang on, hang on. I want to unpack yeah. what every day means. Okay. Sure. So right now, do you release every day, seven days a week? No. No. We're releasing, right. we're releasing two or three days a week right now. Right. So every day is like a future goal. That's part of the every vision. Every day is absolutely. That's part of the vision. Yeah. yeah. yeah and do you have a producer or are you doing all the production yourself? Uh, I was a one-man show to start and pretty much sit with a group of four part-time people who help produce stuff and put it together. Um, but pretty much it, it's um, the best, the best, the best way I can put it is if it's video production, I'm still heavily involved in everything with the podcast side of things. I've got a whole production team that helps with that now. And um, as light, continues to grow, we will bring in not only, you know, more people to help on the production side, but more faces uh, to be forward facing that light eye as well. Sounds good. And out of the podcasts you've done, how many have you done total? Do you know offhand? Yes. Uh, we recorded 36 podcasts. They're not all released yet. So right now the podcast, uh, right. Just a great example of scaling up. It was like three to start one a month slash whenever you could find time to, to get to people and interview them. Yeah. Uh, but I've been very, I, yeah, I've been very grateful and thankful for many, many people who have given me their time to sit down and take time out of their days to to give interviews and, and talk about things that are important to them. So we've got a twelve week backlog right now, and every Thursday, Light Eyes launching a podcast, and it's called we we branded it uh, as the Light Pod. So just a little different, but still still in the same family. And without offending any of your guests, who's been your favorite, or what what has been your favorite hmm. topic? Oh, absolutely. Um, my, I mean, it's, it's easy. Every single guest is, is truly amazing. Every, every person has a unique story and they're so excited to share it. I learn something from every single person I interview, uh, selfishly, you know, I probably just make the podcast people I want to talk to and people I want to learn from because they'll come hang out and tell their story when they can share it with three, four, 500 other people. Right. Um, but my favorite podcast is probably my first mentor ever who literally taught me what a cut sheet was. And, and I, you know, I have to give him credit. His name's Greg Mackle. He's a residential lighting designer in Denver. And he's been super stoked for me from day one. And Greg, uh, I told him, hey, I want to start a podcast. And he's like, cool, I'll be on it. Because I was like trying to figure out how to find somebody to be on the podcast. Mm. And he's like, well, I'll do it. And I was like, awesome. And then, you know, I had to record it three times because I had no clue what I was doing and I had to learn and, and he, and he did it and he sat there and he also did a podcast about talking how he took some billionaire's driveway that had a bunch of cracks in it and turned it into 
um, an RGB installation with like 50 universes of DMX and basically it looked like lava was flowing down this guy's driveway every night. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's definitely, um, an amazing podcast again. Um, you know, because there's a story behind it, but I mean, I've been fortunate to interview some of the best lighting designers in the world on my podcast. I've interviewed up and coming, um, entrepreneurs in their own spaces, I've interviewed people who are just really good friends of mine who are super smart people that I wish they were well more well known because they should be because of what they're doing. Um, you know, I, I, there's no elite bar. There's no there's no like qualification to be on my podcast aside from that. I want what you deliver to be thought provoking and inspirational. And I think most people in life have an opportunity to tell a story that does that. Have you been able to get any in person or has it all been virtual? I know the last six months you haven't, but was previous eight? Uh, oh, yeah. Most of them, I'd say only three of them have been virtual. Every It's okay. very important. It's Yeah, it's very important for me to have them in person. Uh, I've got a table here in my podcast room. It's eight feet long and people wear masks and they come in. They sit at the other end of the table. Everything's desanitized. They've got their own wipes. They do it. They get up and leave. Um, and it works really, really well. I have. I've also been fortunate to have uh, people receive a bucket of podcast gear and set it up in their home uh, and things like that as well. So, yeah, most of them are, are in person, which I think is important. We're on video today, which is is a is a critical part of doing this, right? Being able to see somebody on an audio recording really creates a genuine conversation, and that's very important. There's times these, when I pr- uh, there's times when I prefer video actually like i've come to my live show with the lighting i always like to be with greg and there's just a vibe when we're together um sitting around a table with with somebody and it's uh, we have our gear and the and the thing and they put the headset on they enter the universe and it's fun and there's a vibe there is there is something about putting you gotta wear headsets we did it without headsets once and it didn't work you no, gotta put the headset you have to hear your voice in your ears and other people's voice in your ears there's something about that there's a little tip for any of you you people out there that want to start a podcast. But, you know, for, for my life show, I find that um, when you're talking about extremely controversial subjects, so I'll tackle anything. Like, I, I'm ready to talk about anything, and I'll put it on the internet. And um, I find that the video podcast, while the intimacy is there, it's you can see the facial expressions. You can see contempt, hatred, anger, annoyance, frustration. You can see it. You can see the nose, a little bit of a, their, their upper lip starts to twinkle a little bit. They can't control themselves anymore. They're so frustrated and angry. Or the joy, the happiness, the love, the pleasure. All those things are visible, although you don't have the vibe, you don't have the energy. But I find that people are more comfortable. I think there's a greater level of vulnerable, vulnerability available to you. Well, I think it's probably more impersonal person but people are less likely to open up does that make sense when they're in my environment in my studio and they got the sound thing and scott's sitting there by the window and people are selling light bulbs out there and they're in some weird light bulb shop in toronto (laughs) and there's like this studio there i i I find that when they're in their own space they're more comfortable with their own vulnerability in the conversation and yes it's an interesting observation yeah i just if the, the more intense the the conversation is going to be the more i prefer it to be a video podcast yep i i i just think uh 
we're human beings and I love technology. I think it, it offers us so many opportunities and expands capabilities and it really does make the world go around. Um, I get, I get choked up on that too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a cough button right going. there, bud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see you drinking your water over there choking. Yeah. I, it gets, it gets, it gets me every time. But, but like I said, we're humans and humans were built to interact with people and uh, con- conversations are always more genuine when all of our senses are stimulated. And um, yeah, when you can see someone and you can talk to them and hear them all at the same time, that's, that's, that's important. Smell them. Uh, yeah. Smell is, smell is good. I mean, mm. yes, yeah, sure. It may not be pleasant, but it, it is good. So for your, Video, Sam. Uh, how many video, yeah. two minute, six minute videos? How many of these videos have you done? Um, it's a really good question. How many have I done, or how many have I published? Oh, good question. <laughs> I'd say publish. Let's say the ones that we yeah. can actually find. So there is, I looked at the stat the other day. I think I've got over 2,000 minutes of video. Oh, minutes. Is oh. that right? That would be a thousand. Divide no. that out. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, it's probably closer to it's probably a closer to a thousand minutes of content that I've sure. done at this point. Um, and some of them, I say two minutes cause that's the goal. Some of them are longer. Some of them are shorter. It kind of all depends what we're trying to do, but yeah. Uh, what's interesting about that is for every minute of published content, there's about 10 hours of work behind it. Minute. So yeah. Yeah. Every minute of published content requires about 10 hours of work. And again, this is this is an average of everything, um, but a lot goes into creating a good piece of digital content, a mm-hmm. good piece, a good video. I never, ever, ever was in film uh, up until about two years ago when I dabbled in it on my own. What goes into a Hollywood movie is truly incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear about these these movies making a billion dollars. And how the budget for the film was three hundred and fifty million, I get it now. You know, um, the guys who, the guys and gals who win Oscars for directing and acting, holy smokes, are they freaking talented? Video is not easy. Video is definitely something that you have to dive into headfirst, and you never stop. There's always a way to make it better. There's always a way to perfect things, right? You can get the you can get the nicer cameras. You can start sliding the cameras on sliders. You can get five lights instead of two lights. You can, you know, have six macro shots instead of one. You can have three cuts of B-roll every three, three seconds versus one. I mean, it's it goes on and on and on and on. But going back to that senses comment and stimulating your senses, video is super powerful. Um, think about the scene. Every picture is worth a thousand words. And in video, you edit at 24 frames per second. So one frame, one image is a thousand words times 24 frames a second. That's 24,000 words a second coming at you visually. That's why you only need one minute in video. That's why you only need two minutes in video. You can communicate so much visually. Then you add in an audio track behind that. It becomes a super powerful way. But getting that right is tough. And I don't, I don't have the answer to, you know, what's right, because I'll tell you right now, what's right changes pretty much on a weekly basis. And you, you do advertisements for companies and you do educational or how does that work? I've, I've seen a little bit, but not. 
Yeah, we, we do three different things. So we don't really do advertisements for companies. We do paid partnerships with companies where we collaborate to tell their story. Um, okay. Why I will not just say whatever a company wants us to say. We, we owe it to the community. We owe it to the viewers to be honest and truthful, to not embellish and to not sell. We, we owe it to them to tell the story. Um, so we're, you know, we're very much upfront with all our clients when they're paying us to create content. We're going to tell their story. We're going to make them look as good as they are. And we're not going to make them look any better or any worse because when you tell people the truth, that's what matters. That's what cuts through to, to people at the end of the day. Then we also do some education in terms of kind of short digital shorts, like on an update for the well building standard, what backlighting is, what layers of light are, et cetera, et cetera. And then the last piece is just kind of a, more of a tribute is what I like to call it. Um, but going around and interviewing living legends um, who, are, who are sort of towards the end of their career in lighting and putting together many documentaries on these people. And, nice, sir. and what's, and, and I think what's cool is um, the, the education piece and that documentary piece. We don't, we don't charge anybody for that. We're, we're doing that to give back to the community. Oh, stop. <laughs> We want to charge for education. What are you talking? What are you doing? Not, yeah, well, uh, if you don't charge you know, for nothing, it has. If you don't charge for something, it has no value. By definition, man. Yeah, a hundred percent. But like I said, there's a barrier to entry, and um, if people don't even want to get in, get into lighting, uh, we can't be charging them for it. So we we've got to hook them at some point. Uh, there's no reason to say we couldn't create some more sophisticated educational resources that we could charge them for. But yeah, you know, at an introductory level, let's raise awareness. Let's get the, the voice of lighting elevated. I, I think your point that there's so many great careers in lighting that people don't know about. Like most people back into lighting by accident. Oh, I was working here. And like everybody's story <laughs> I mean, in lighting is kind of the same like that. I accidentally I'd tripped like, over a light bulb. Yeah, I'd say like 98% of the people in this industry have no clue it's coming for them. Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. and once and once they're in, they never leave because yeah, it's a powerful industry. It's a it really niche is. industry that has yeah. billions of dollars in it. And if you can get good at a niche, in a niche, why would you ever leave? Sam Corbel, what's going on? Thanks for being a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting <laughs> podcast, man. You guys, this is awesome. You both rock. Hang in there, okay? <laughs> you, too, you do. Buddy. Thank you. Talk to you soon. See ya. See ya. Keystone Technologies. That's right. Come on, man. Reinventing the two by two, the two by four pad. <laughs> come on, man. Nobody does that. No. Keystone's come back hot again. Always innovating. They are. K E Y S T O N E T E C H dot com. Man, they have to be the most innovative in the lighting industry. They keep coming out with it, man. Backlit oh. flat panels. They are even light distribution, low optical flicker, which we need. Uh, color selectable. I had a customer the other day that's been buying a little stack of 4K flat panels for me every month. And they're like, do you have 5K? I'm like, yeah, we have got 5K. Ah, oh, well, we, we put these in and sometimes the customer wants four, sometimes they want five. Keystone, what do you got? They got the right answer right there, man. A backlit flat panel that's color changing. You select it right on the fixture and they reduce their SKUs. They don't have to order a 5K and a 4K. They order one fixture and they get what they want out of it. That's what Keystone brings to you. Give you what you want. They're super innovative, dude. They're the retrofit kings. If you want to change your lighting, like if you want to change your lighting, 
Keystone's the leader. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H dot com, baby. Check him out. Hey, I heard Josh Brown's running for the nailed board. He's coming back on. Joshy! See what he can do. Woo! Good luck. Love it, man. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about the board. We're talking about nailed, man. This is the fastest moving association in the industry. I'm so honored to be a part of the leadership and that on the board, the leadership within nailed, the lighting knowledge, Greg, I, I just can't find it anywhere. But I mean, I'm biased because I'm a distributor as well, right? So obviously there are right. people that do other things in lighting. But man, if you're a distributor, you know, you got to get it nailed. Join up. Ooh. Sign up. And of course, Sam Corville, Light Eye. He's rocking and rolling, man. He's he's trying to bring people to the streets. He's trying to bring lighting to the people out there to get the people into lighting. What a great point he made about how there's so many careers in lighting that nobody knows anything about. That's there's the first so when I careers. first heard about it. It was I laughed at it. Like people sell light bulbs. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. It's a billion dollar yeah. industry. What do you mean? Yeah, just the 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 distribution side. It's like twenty billion. What do you mean? What the yeah. hell? You don't realize it, dude. That's just a lighting distribution, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think he's so right about that. There's so many great careers in lighting, and he's talking about what an exciting industry it is, you know? And it's, he's right. Check out LightAO. You know what? All of his stuff um, is available on our website. So you just click on it and you'll find them all there. Thank you, Sam Corbel, for coming on, man. We had a blast. Good times. I think you're going to be a regular on the Get a Grip on Lighting. We're going to get our hooks into you, boy. That's right. But for the rest of you listening, all of our colleagues out there that are listening, we don't have fans. We only have colleagues. We don't have listeners. We just have colleagues that are checking in with us. We appreciate it from our hearts. Thank you so much. Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. You are lost, Lord is there to find you.